Wake up, Lincoln. Come on, it's 6 o'clock. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. It's time for Early Break with Sip and Jake. Brought to you by Gaina Trucking. Live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Here's 93.7 at tickets, Jake Sorensen. Did seem kind of meh. And Steve Sipple. Surprisingly good. This is Early Break with Sip and Jake. Sponsored by Gaina Trucking. Welcome back to Hour 2 on a Tuesday. Steve Sipple, Jake Sorensen, early break. Fun show so far. Check out the podcast at theticketfm.com. Good discussion there uh, on Matt Rule. Name of the week, name of the day, I guess, for Nebraska football. We'll see if there's any conversation from Trev Alberts to Matt Rule. We believe there might be. Yeah, well, yeah, it's possible. You think we're going to see that? <laughs> we won't see the conversation or so. <laughs> Trev's going to come out with a be completely... Open with all this. Yes, I'm, sh- I'm sure Can't do won't. it. Can't I'm do it. I'm sure that he won't. Well, we are joining the phone, Sip, because Nebraska plays a football game this weekend at West Lafayette. That's Purdue. And we're joined by Tom Deanhart of goldenblack.com. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to ask you off the bat. Uh, Purdue had a very big win against Maryland on Saturday, 31-29 victory to move to 2-1 and one in conference play. Are they now, Tom, the team to beat in the Big Ten West, in your opinion? Well, I think they're one of a couple right now. You have to really put in that that, that pot, uh, that Big Ten West stew, as I like to call it at this point. I mean, you can make a case, what, for <laughs> Illinois? Sure. I, I'm, not, I'm not giving up on, on Minnesota. I'm not shoveling dirt on them yet. And I'm still leery of, of, of Wisconsin. Maybe this coaching change will be an impetus for them. And, and, and your guys, right, the 2 and one Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, so – Right now, it's still wide open, and uh, again, I, I think if you really wanted to, to go to the dais and, and get behind the lectern and to make a case for any of those four, you probably could, and you wouldn't get laughed off the stage. The Big Ten West stew, we're calling it. Very interesting. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I and I sip, sip, I'm not sure how good it tastes, but it's a stew. <laughs> okay. Tom Deanhart joins us. Tom, what what is Nebraska walking into in terms of atmosphere, what's it going to be like Saturday night at that stadium? You've been here before, Sip. Um, it, it's not an intim- overly intimidating structure. It's just a basic horseshoe with no deck. Uh, it will be. It will be a sellout. It's been a sellout for a number of weeks now. It will okay. be loud. Okay. So that's uh, what I was wondering. People are going to sip, sip, Jake. People are going to have eight hours to get all lubed up too. So. Uh, uh, there'll be a lot of a lot of fans uh, ready to go and and, and full throated, uh, uh, you know, Purdue screaming going on. But yeah, it, it'll, it'll be pretty good. Uh, and then plus, you factor in like you guys said from the top, Purdue's won a couple games in a row now. There's a lot of excitement here, so they think they all have a shot to win the West too. So you combine the night game um, with the way Purdue's playing, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see that it could be a pretty good environment. So the fans are being. We're joined by Tom Deanhart. Uh, goldenblack.com. Now, what's the Jeff Brom situation there? Are people concerned about – what's the level of concern about that Louisville job and Brom jumping ship? You know, it's always sort of the elephant in the room. Uh, people almost see, but feel like it's an inevitability. Mm-hmm. Not if, but when. Right? Not to get into a long history here, but back in 2018, if you recall, he almost went back to Louisville then. That was just after two years here. 
The general feeling is most of his family wanted to go back to their hometown, but Jeff did not want to leave after just two years. But loyalty to the program. Uh, Ondell Moore was just a freshman. They had a couple of good recruits coming in, Carl Office and David Bell. Now we're six seasons into the Brom era. He's done a heck of a good job. Nobody wants him to leave, but I think everybody's sort of, like I said, kind of in the back of their mind resigned on the fact, well, you know what, it's probably going to happen someday. I think if it happened now after six years with what he's done to flip his script here, people would be okay. And, guys, you watch college football. The situation in Louisville right now with Scott Satterfield, hmm. it's, it's not good. It wouldn't be a surprise if at some point they don't pull the trigger and he gets fired. Then, of course, everything really heats up here. Yeah, is is there a guy? So I'm not trying to rush Jeff Brom off, but if he were to leave, is there an assistant that could maybe take his spot that like, they like, or is there a guy out there that Purdue is keen on also that maybe could be a coach if he were to leave for Louisville, Tom? Hey, God, I, I, I've already I'm already working on a hot board, buddy. Oh. <laughs> I'm like the AD. I always can open up my front desk drawer and have a list of names there, right, just in case something crazy happens. I, I, I'm not really sure who that would be. I, I don't think there's anybody on the staff. Okay. That would get the job, honestly. Uh, Ron English may be the most logical guy who, who has been a head coach. You've had a couple guys who've been head coaches, but maybe Ron English. But I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. You know, you go all over the map. Probably a lot of the same names you guys are kicking around there in Lincoln. Um, uh, I don't think a guy like Matt Rule is possible. People think Bill O'Brien. I wouldn't see Bill O'Brien coming to West Lafayette. You, you, you think of a guy like a Lance Leipold. You think of a. Uh, I'm just a lot of different guys. Well, one, one guy that, that they talked to last time, but I don't think they could get him this time, or, he, or uh, I think his star's falling a little bit, is Joe Moorhead. Oh, yeah. who at that point in 2016, was the OC at Penn State with that Saquon Barkley team. Then, of course, he went to Oregon. I think then he was head coach Mississippi State, or right. the opposite way there. But anyway, he's at Akron now, and they're really struggling. Uh, Dave Bourne at NC State. I'm not sure if a guy like that they could get, or even a... a, 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 a with Dave Aranda down at Baylor. So right now everything's sort of all over the map. I'll tell you what, a guy I would love to see you get a crack. I don't know if he will, though. I, and I think he would take the job if he had a chance to is Kevin Sumlin, who's a Purdue alum, was a linebacker here when I was in school. Huh. From he's from Indianapolis. Hmm. You know, he checks a lot of the boxes. He knows everybody here. He's been back on campus a couple times this fall already. And he just moved out of his house in Tucson. So he, his resume is pretty good as well. He's 58. This would kind of be maybe his last run. Come back, come back home, you know, for one last run. Uh, but again, right now, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it, it's wide open. There's a lot of possibilities. Tom Dean Hart joins us from GoldenBlack.com. Let's get back. Let's get back to the matter at hand, it, it, which is this 2022 Purdue team. How much differently do you look at this team now compared to after, right after Purdue beat Florida Atlantic 28-26? That, that. That score got my attention, not in a good way. And I wondered about a little bit about Purdue at that point. But now it's come back with wins on the road against Minnesota and Maryland. What What's happened? What changed? The problem at FAU game, Sip, was Aiden O'Connell didn't play. They okay. had to start their back at Boston Burton. And the offense just had no real big playability. Uh, they, they, they just found a way to grit out a win. It was, it was one of those days. And. And they survived and advanced. And O'Connell's played the last two weeks, obviously. He wasn't himself in Minnesota. Okay. Everybody would agree, but they still found a way to win that game 20-10. to 10. Right. And last week, over in College Park, we were out there, and he looked more like his old self. Still don't think he's 100%, but everybody thinks now as these weeks obviously progress, he's going to get better and better physically. 
the thought is, guys, no, nobody's ever said officially on the record anything, but the thought is he had a rib injury. And Jeff Blount has said he did suffer the first quarter of the Syracuse game on September 17th. Um, so it just didn't look like he was driving the ball as well as he could. So as he gets better, uh, the offense will continue to get better. And, uh, again, guys, uh, that's been the big key, Steve, the last couple of weeks is just Aiden O'Connell being back under center and also getting a little bit better and more healthy. I look at the box score of those those games, Tom, and I watched part of it too, but it, Purdue's not running the football at all. You guys had, I think it was not a very good running game against Maryland, but O'Connell was great as he as he usually is. Do you expect more from the run game the rest of the season, or is it kind of what it is at this point? Where Where is Purdue in terms of their, their balance and offense? It is what it is, man. I mean, it's never going to be 1995 Nebraska when it comes to running the football uh, with this offense. You know, they were last in the Big Ten last year, and they won nine games. They were last the year before that rushing as well. So for Purdue, it's more important to be able to run well situationally. Sure. Um, to try to, and when they run the ball, guys, sometimes they have to gimmick things up, do some unconventional things with a lot of jet sweeps or quick end rounds. Um, uh, just try to think outside the box uh, when, when it comes to running the football. So, yeah, it's, it's always a struggle. Now, at times, I will say this, the ground game has been pretty good. They've had two guys run for 100 yards this year, back-to-back games, Dylan Downing and Devin Mockaby. Uh, they're never overly physical up front. They already have some injuries on their O-line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, guys, not to get off on a big injury tangent, but Dylan Downing will not play Saturday. So they're down their top two running backs. Devin Mockaby is a redshirt freshman walk-on. It's sort of been a fun storyline this year. Mm-hmm. He's going to be your number one back. And also Tyrone Tracy, the former Iowa wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Look for him to get more carries as a running back, too, maybe Saturday night. Oh, they're going to use Tracy at RB, huh? You know what, Sip? That's really his best position. That's where he played in high school, mostly. And I, I, I just don't think he's comfortable as a receiver catching the ball, especially downfield. Uh-huh. He hasn't had the impact I thought he was going to have. And may, maybe, maybe you know, it's crazy. Sometimes these things happen, and, and you guys get a chance to play now. You, you discover something, you know. So maybe this was the impetus of these injuries that's going to force the staff to make Tracy maybe a more of a running back and Maybe he can provide some juice for him back there. Joined by Tom Deanhart, you were right on on something. We had you on in August. Um, I believe it was August, and you said that Purdue has a real defense. Purdue now is ranked 28th nationally in total defense. That Purdue is 18th against the run. What's that defense look like? Is it has it been what you'd expected? Yeah, it's it's, it's a very good defense. I'm not saying it's a steel curtain, but by Purdue standards, it's very good, and and especially the run defense are still allowing less than 100 yards rushing a game. No back has rushed for 100 yards on him yet, so there's a oh, challenge boy. to what Anthony Grant, see if he can be the first to do it this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're not getting gassed, guys. They, they don't give up big runs. They're number one in the Big Ten in, in, in long rushes allowed. They've only allowed one run of over 20 yards this year and only 11 of over 10. Okay. So teams are not gashing them in the ground game. They do. They always ask the staff about it. They talk about playing their gaps and how they drilled this for over the summer, and they know what they're do. They're well coached. A big key personnel-wise is just the line is deep. they got oh maybe upwards of 10 guys they feel comfortable playing, so they can keep fresh bodies in there up front. And that really helps you when you get in the third and the fourth quarter, especially as you guys know and your fans know when you're playing those physical Big Ten West teams. They want to pound you with their big lines and run the football. So uh, that's been the big key. The line was supposed to be a strength, and it's just been as good as advertised. There is no star, though. There's no George Karloffis. There's a lot of very good players, though. And like I said, a lot of players, they feel, they feel comfortable playing. 
I, I got to think, Tom, that, that one of the absolute happiest guys in the Big Ten Conference is Charlie Jones, who goes from an absolutely inept offense at Iowa uh, to now being a huge impact at Purdue. I mean, you guys have had Rondale Moore. You've had David Bell. Charlie Jones has been getting a ton of catches. You know, how, how, how important has he been to the, the team's success, and what do you expect to see from him the rest of the season? It's been huge, man. You talk about hitting the hitting the lottery yeah. for poor Purdue and Charlie Jones. That's what he said when he came here. When we talked to him this summer, was he wanted to play in this offense? Number one, mm-hmm. number two, he has a relationship with Aiden O'Connell. You guys have probably read about it, heard about it. They grew up playing ball together, baseball, football. So they've always been buddies too. So there's that connection as well. Yeah, Charlie's been a revelation. He's been their big play threat. Remember. Milton Wright was supposed to be their number one receiver this year, but he was academically ineligible. There was a real question. Who was going to be the top catcher for Purdue? And then the guy, Brock Thompson, was going to be that, that person. He's been hurt almost all year. Still, he only played a, a couple games. So what I'm trying to say here is Charlie, again, has been a real godsend for this offense. But now know this real quick. Mm-hmm. First three games, mm-hmm. I did this yesterday, 32 catches, 474 yards, five touchdowns. The last three games, 18 catches, 129 yards, two touchdowns. He only had three catches last week for 15 yards at Maryland. Mm-hmm. He's not healthy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not healthy. I'm just going to say that. He hardly practices at all. He's got some lower body issues. I don't know if they're knee or ankle, but I know they're lower body, and I know he hardly practices, and I know he's not healthy. Mm-hmm. He's tough. Jeff Romoy says he's tough. Mm-hmm. He's not going to sit out. He's doing his best, but, boy, they need some of that big play Charlie Jones juice if they're going to win some of these games here down the stretch. Yeah, because they haven't – I mean, they haven't thrown it down the field maybe as well as they thought they would. Is, is Am I right about that? You're right, and some of that was O'Connell's injury the last couple of weeks. They did pretty good in the first few games. That Penn State loss, and they played Indiana State, and then Syracuse here hitting some big deep passes too. But you're right. This offense is no good. Most offenses aren't any good unless you get some big chunk plays. You can't you can't take 10, 12 plays to score every time. You need some big chunk plays to score. And you're right, it just hasn't been there. Some of that's probably Charlie's health and Aiden's health as well. And the fact that, you know, honestly, there's been no other guy that stepped up as that number two receiver. You know, T.J. Sheffield, Deion Burks. I talked about Brock Thompson being out. That's hurt him. Payne Durham, they're tight end. You guys have a real good tight end. I know Payne Durham has produced alpha tight end. He's pretty good. He's coming off a really good game this last Saturday. Tom Deanhart joins us. Tom, you pay attention to the national scene. You pay attention to the Big Ten closely. What are your thoughts on what you see from Nebraska right now? Are you surprised they're sitting at 2-1? and and Do you really regard them as a threat in this race, this Big Ten West race, this stew? <laughs> they were my last ingredient in my stew. Okay, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> to continue our cooking metaphor, yes, yes, you know, yes. I think right, right now they're two and one. They're tied with Illinois and Purdue, so I, you got to at least include them in the conversation. Are they probably a legitimate contender to win it? Probably not. But I'll, I'll say this: um, you know, they, they they found a way to win the last two weeks, and, and that says a lot because after what happened against Oklahoma, you lose your coach before that. I mean, this thing looked like it was circling and drained yeah. fast. That's no news to anybody in your listenership. And the fact that Mickey Joseph's come in and at least got the ship righted, he's got him playing hard. I know they've got some personnel issues on defense. Uh, they fired the defensive coordinator. So, again, no, they're probably not a legit contender, but I give them credit for still fighting and still winning. And I know Jeff Rom's taking it serious. Uh, crazy things happen every Saturday, so yeah. who knows? 
Purdue turns the ball over four times. Nebraska scores a couple quick TDs on special teams or a pick six or a big play on offense, and this is a ball game in the fourth quarter. And, and I remember Nebraska winning on the last play over here in 2000. I think it was 17, Jeff yep, Brown's first year. And the last time Nebraska was here in 2020, they won too. So you just never know. Yeah, on that point, though, Tom, I guess I, some of us are surprised to see the, the spread so high. I mean, it's 12.5 to 13.5 points in favor of Purdue, so almost a two-touchdown game. Do you expect it to be closer than that, or do you expect it to be a, a nice, comfortable win? I guess, I guess right now I'm going to probably lay the points and take Purdue. Oh boy! Okay. I just think really? I, I just really? think that a brat. I, I think I think Aiden the way Aiden's playing now. I think he's starting to get torqued up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nebraska's defense, I think, has a lot of issues. Um, I think the secondary, from what I hear, Nebraska's got a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Aren't you playing like a twenty-five-year-old former UCF guy and a true freshman back there? I think a cornerback last week. You got it. That's right, Tom. Brandon. And, uh, yeah. I think the offense for Nebraska's got some softness to him, but I think I hear, I hear the lines are really struggling. You got some issues at tackle, and I like Casey Thompson. I like the back. I like Trey Palmer, the LSU kid. But right now, I guess I'm leaning toward Purdue covering. Um, given the mojo they got and given that atmosphere we talked about at the top of the segment, all those things together, I think, could get through the juice to, to, to win and cover. The big question, Tom, if you're, if, you're, if you're looking at this really closely, is is Purdue at all vulnerable to the deep ball? Casey, I mean, the formula for Nebraska is scrap, 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 stay in the game, <laughs> and then Casey may be able to beat – Casey Thompson may be able to beat you over the top – throw a few balls downfield and get you in position to win. That's it. Hey, hey, Purdue Purdue has, has gotten beat deep. Mm. They've mm. struggled in their secondary. Mm. They were getting real grabby. Had a lot of penalties earlier this year. Heck, right before halftime, twice this year, guys, at Penn State the last weekend, they got beat for one of those gut-punch touchdowns late, right before halftime on deep passes. Last week, their best cornerback, Corey Trice, got beaten and drug across the goal line. It was just one of those moments that if you're a fan, it just makes you just want to slump in your lazy boy and, and crawl into a ball, you know. Uh, no way there's no, there's no way to go into halftime, you know. And, again, the Penn State one was the same way. Listen, that Brenton Strange, that big tight end, rumble and stumble, they were missing tackles. He's carrying guys on his back. So, yeah, they can get beat deep sip. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the secondary has just been okay. And they only have three cornerbacks that really trust playing. Watch that. And, uh, yeah, so, again, Corey Trice may be a pro, but he, he, he can get beat. They got a transfer from Indiana that that's okay. And they have another kid that came from Kentucky two years ago who's okay. So, yeah, they can get beaten. I wouldn't be shocked if you guys can hit some deep. Tom, last thing regarding the Big Ten West. I mean, a pretty shocking move midseason made by Wisconsin to fire Paul Chris. They respond with a Jim Leonard blowout <laughs> win against Northwestern. How shocked are you to see Chris get you know get whacked mid season? And do you think Leonard can be the long term answer at Wisconsin? Well, that that must be Chris McIntosh's hope, right? I mean, why else yeah. do you do this? I, I know they weren't playing well, but talk about the ultimate good guy who's, who's been the good soldier. He's the ultimate Wisconsin Badger. He's won a lot of football games, won a lot of titles, and they whacked that guy before. I even bought my Halloween candy this year. It's like, what the <laughs> heck? So, yeah, obviously this is this is Jim Leonard's big moment. This is his audition. I always say be careful what you wish for. You may get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, may, maybe Jim Leonard's a great coach. Uh, nobody knows. Nobody ever knows. The people, we will act, try to act like we know what happens in these coaches, coaching searches and who's mm-hmm. going to be good, who's going to be bad. Nobody knows. No, you don't. And I don't know. <laughs> 
I think they were afraid, probably, you guys speculated this and read it too, probably they were afraid they were going to finally lose Jim Leonard. Yep. And so they wanted to make a move. I think there must have been some restlessness for a, probably coming into the season about Paul Christ. They weren't that great last year. So, yeah, I was surprised. And, yeah, they hammered uh, Northwestern last week. I think they got another team they can beat this week. And then Purdue goes there after they play Nebraska. So that's going to be an interesting game. So, yeah, we'll see. But I think he's going to get the job if they can at least probably keep that team respectable, make a push, and, and, and finish on the plus side of 500 or at least 500. Tom, always great stuff. Thank you for the time, and enjoy the game this weekend. Thank you for having me, guys. Take oh, care. Yeah, great, great conversation. Tom, Dean DeHart, goldandblack.com for Purdue. Well, we covered a lot of ground there. A lot of ground. We, yeah, we covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of ground. They're vulnerable to the deep ball. Mm. I would watch that. I'd seriously watch that. I mean, Nebraska has Trey Palmer, obviously. They can run by any Big Ten corner, pretty much. Okay. Maybe I'd have to look at Ohio State a little closer. Yeah, maybe careful about this case. <clears throat> or Michigan. And I, I thought Marcus Washington kind of reemerged in that game last week. So that's the formula for Nebraska. You got to hit a couple deep Deep balls. shots, baby. Yeah. Fucking Chuck. Yeah. Hail Mary. Hail Marys. Be fun. All right, Robin Washington is also next in early break in the ticket.